Hello and welcome once again on board to the USS Henson and to Riser and Shine, your unofficial Star Trek podcast about the 2001-2005 series Enterprise. I'm your host Jason, and joining me on the bridge is my number one, Michaela. Hello. Now we're not hardcore Trekkies, however, we are Star Trek fans. But somehow, and I think for a lot of fans as well, we haven't been able to make it through the series Enterprise. So to erase this blemish from our Starfleet record, we created Riser and Shine, where each week we discuss, review, and rate an episode until we complete the entire four-season run. If you'd like to know a little bit more about us and our history with the franchise, we invite you to go back and check out episode zero. And some news, drum roll. We have a shiny new email address. Yay! That's right, people. We're getting our John Hammond on and sparing no expense on this show. So if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can email us at riserandshinepodcast at gmail.com. All right, with that out of the way, take your stations and let's get into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 6, Terra Nova. Okay, last week, after our review of Episode 5, called Unexpected, I think we both agree, both came away, essentially, thinking that it was the best episode mm. we'd seen so far. Yeah. You'd agree, right? Yeah. I think we were pretty pretty happy about that and it got our highest score so far which yeah. I think was four, 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 four pips four pips um, so for me it had a fun concept uh, a generous dollop of heart humour and some good acting especially from Connor Trenier who plays yeah. Trip. so the bar going into Terra Nova was set fairly high I, I think it's fair to say so for me I wasn't necessarily disappointed by this episode um, but I did feel it was a come down in energy from unexpected. What do you think? Yeah, I tend to agree. There's definitely there was a kind of a similar um, kind of similar setup where there is a little bit of adventure, but definitely not on the same level of uh, humor. And in fact, it's quite dark, really. Yeah, it kind um, of went back to more of the sort of a darker yeah. sort of feel that the series has set. Yeah. You know, previously, so far, yeah. it's had a bit more of a a darker feel for us, a bit of a greyer feel. I don't expect every episode to be, you know, a bowl of cherries. Everything yeah. is laughing, but I just felt maybe because unexpected that episode did cut through the so-called sort of darker tones episodes and tones one, from yeah. the previous episode, it really stood out. Yeah. So this one, like I was saying, it's not necessarily the worst episode so far, but it definitely was a come down mm. from the one before. So it does jar. I guess it's the shit sandwich they say, you know, it's the, yeah. in between. Maybe the next one goes back up again. Yeah. So, yeah, it just falls, unfortunately, after the episode that we had that was, you know, pretty pretty fun and pretty high on, on the energy level. That This one just brought us back down a little bit um, to what seems to be Enterprise's speed at the moment, which is a bit darker, yeah, um, a bit grey, a bit more serious than previous um, shows. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, do you agree? Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, but let's get into I mean there are some good points uh, in this episode some good scenes to talk about and one in particular which we'll get to nearer towards the end but we catch up with the crew of the Enterprise NX-01 and they're just a few days away from reaching a planet called Terra Nova mm-hmm. um, Mayweather who's again he's featured quite yeah. a bit in this episode um, he's particularly excited about it uh, about the prospect of exploring this planet because 
it has a bit of a history. It's no ordinary planet, um, which Archer explains over dinner in his quarters. So Terra Nova, it was the first Earth colony outside of the solar system to be colonized by humans. And we're talking, this is like a nine-year run there and back to get to this place. Yeah. But um, it was part of something called the Great Experiment. Mm. And it went really well. Um, they settled down there. They really f thrived. And they built a, a beautiful ecosystem with the planet. And it was such a success, actually, that the agency back on Earth wanted to send a vessel with 200 more people, people yeah. to go down to the planet and settle with them. Now, the colonists, they weren't happy about this because they felt that for the numbers they had, they had built something that sustains them quite yeah, well. It was a good equilibrium. It was a good equilibrium and a good balance. So they weren't happy that they were going to be forced to take care of another 200 settlers. By the way, if you hear thunder and lightning in the background, we're going through another ion storm. So don't worry, we should be okay. Shields up. Um, so, yeah, they weren't too happy about that. And they let Earth know, basically. I think there was a barrage of messages going back and forth between the two of them. And um, all of a sudden, the, um, the messages stopped. Yeah. Radio silence. And nothing has been heard or seen from the colony since then. And that was over 70 years ago. Yeah. So it's a famous, I think, story amongst those in Starfleet that hear about this story. Yeah, it's almost Terranova. like a Bermuda's Triangle. Kind of like know. a Bermuda Triangle situation. Yeah. Well. Um, what... Now, this scene, what kind of bugged me about it, it was again another... I mean, it was an exposition dump, so you're kind of getting the background to what they're going to encounter, which is fine. Exposition is one of the toughest things to kind of do as a screenwriter. But it's important for people to understand the plot. But what annoyed me about this was, again, it was a scene in the captain's quarters over a meal where he's kind of filling in the background of what's going to happen. And... Um, I know in Star Trek you kind of have what three or four core sets yeah. which give you a sort of dynamic of the scene of the ship yeah. so to speak so there's normally a scene in the captain's ready room or there's a scene in the meeting room or the mess hall or yeah. on the bridge you know there's the or in the turbo lift there's yeah. usually your core locations it gives you an idea of the scale of the ship but for the last two or three episodes we've had these expedition scenes with the captain over dinner I'm just starting to get a little bit claustrophobic about yeah. that it's a little bit annoying I don't know why we we haven't really seen a proper we haven't really seen a proper mental or I mean we did briefly but not to the level that for example you see in um, uh, Next Gen or this Space Nine where you go to Cork yeah, or in next gen you have the you know, the mensal and the, you know and then you have also the private quarters of a lot of the people. Yeah, or the cameras, you know, the, it tends to be a bit more dynamic. Maybe there's some Steadicam shots where they're walking down a corridor and yeah. they're kind of bending through, um, and going through the coming and going. Coming yeah. and going. You just feel dynamic, more of a dynamic, yeah. more of a presence of the ship, more scale, more other members of of the crew and the yeah. staff. So, yeah, I don't know, maybe. No, no, I think I, you know, this is what I keep seeing. So I don't know, maybe if I go back, it's not as bad as I'm thinking. We're only six episodes in, but I'm pretty sure for most of the exposition scenes, they've been sort of static yeah. and within the captain's quarters. So yeah. yes, exposition, you have to do it, but there are ways to make it a bit more interesting, a bit more dynamic, or have the characters doing something a little bit more interesting than just always eating a meal. You know, maybe they're doing something else out on a spacewalk, fixing some part of the ship or something different just to yeah. kind of 
cut it up a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, okay, it's it's fine. It just gets the job done, and it fills us in on quite an interesting background at the moment. It's essentially, like you said, um, what did you say? Was it remind you of the? Um, um, oh, I can't remember what you said now. Um, I have to go back. And... No, for uh, for me, my initial uh, kind of issue with this story is the timeline. Hmm. Okay. Because they're saying that they, uh, they they lost contact 70 years ago. That's not long ago at all. If you think that uh, this particular enterprise is set only 130 years from now, that the way that Mayweather is talking about it at the beginning, it sounded like in the next 20 years there will be like some crazy space exploring mm-hmm. by humankind it just didn't didn't it didn't really fit with my idea i understand that of course it's fiction science fiction but it, i would have expected them to be a little bit more realistic in a way to mm-hmm. say you know i'm not so sure that the time like this i mean i think the the 70 years i understand what you mean in terms of the because you would put it in this century well one of, I guess. No, it yeah. would be. It would be like 2080. Yeah, but I think this when is they set. lost contact, and by then he was already talking like Mayweather is saying like, oh, in those days people were uh, exploring the universe and pushing things about this, you know, this great advi- uh, great experiment. But in Enterprise the- is already set up a few centuries away from where we are now, right? No, 130 not, years. Yeah. At the beginning is to, year to, uh, 2000. Yeah, it's still a long time. At not 70. really. Yeah, it's still a long time. That's still... 130 years from now. Yeah, That's it's still a fairly long time if you think nah. about it. But uh, I don't think in this case that the 70 years is the... I mean, 70, if you haven't heard no, from... No, what I'm trying to say is that in the way that Mayweather talks about it at the very beginning, it feels like you're in an arch of time like of a few centuries do you know what I mean like yeah. it talks about the, this people uh, you know humans first trying on Mars then uh, doing this and the other yeah they colonised some yeah. asteroids and yeah. I think that's what he was more I think the timeline is just interesting in a sense of not in terms of technology and the distance between us and now and them in terms of chronological um, order of canon and so on yeah. I think his excitement comes more from well no one's heard from this colony in 70 yeah, years so that's interesting yeah of right? course but that was just a, my own reflection plus that I didn't like that plus he's interested in the yeah. fact that it was the first colony yeah. outside of their solar systems so I think his excitement comes from that and then there was nothing yeah, yeah in, in, in that regard um, so the Enterprise they enter the orbit of Terra Nova and they scan as usual give us some hails but there's no bioscience at all there's nothing nothing to come no back answers, which yeah. obviously deepens the mystery right because they know that nothing's been heard um, but from all accounts the planet looks fine apart from some low levels of radiation mm. detected some low levels of radiation so Archer goes down he leads the team I think to Paul Reed and Mayweather they all go down to the surface and they begin to explore and yep yeah, so they find essentially the disassembled bowels of the ship um, which I think was called the Conestoga. Conestoga. That was the ship that originally took the colonists to the um, Terra Nova, and they find bits and pieces of it, sort of as ruins, almost like structures that um, that were there when they first arrived, um, but obviously abandoned. And to Paul, interestingly, 
the radiation level, she calculates that 70 years back would have been very Massive. lethal. Yeah. So it would have killed anyone there, but yet they don't find any bodies. So mm. that was strange then. Um, but that all changes when Reed, he sees a figure off in the distance, sort of running. In the forest, so it looks yeah. like a humanoid biped, but he mentions scales or something. So they yeah. give chase and he disappears into a cave. Yeah. Um, to Paul and Mayweather, they stand guard, and Archer and um, Reed, Reed, they go in and yeah. give chase to kind of see what's happening. Um, and then inside, they eventually discover the locals <laughs> who are cave dwellers, basically. And turns out they're not exactly scaly in terms of their skin. They're wearing scales as armor, yeah. by the looks of it, or some sort of tribal clothing of some sort. Yeah, and their um, the faces are covered with some kind of clay. And faces have some sort of look, face paint, clay, yeah. or some earth-coloured earth of some sort. So it has that tribal, primitive, indigenous feel about them. Um, and then first contact quickly goes wrong. because yeah. um, They start shooting. I think they start fighting. Yeah, one of them appears out of the shadows, and I think Reed might <laughs> shoots immediately and takes that guy down and... Mm or hell breaks loose, they begin to run. And what's fascinating is that Reed gets shot, but he gets shot by a bullet, yeah. by a pistol. So you start thinking, that's interesting. It wasn't a phaser, you know, it wasn't a disruptor or some sort of technical That's what I'm weapon. saying. It's a it's, gun. It's because it's not it's a, very a projectile, much single projectile firing weapon of yeah. some sort. So that was quite interesting. Um, and then <laughs> Archer... He goes. He's like, yeah, sorry, away. Reed. I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I've got to go. And fair enough. He's a captain. He's kind of got to get back to yeah. his people. And so he runs back to the to the mouth entrance of the cave. There's another guy who appears. Topol shoots him, and then they all run and they leave Reed. Yeah. <laughs> Head Lips. back to the to the pod, and and they they go back up. Um, but what's interesting is Topol um, concludes that they're not sort of an alien species. They're humans. So I think already, I mean, I, you know, we pretty much guessed that they must have been the descendants from yeah. whoever was... The colonists. Originally yeah. the colonists were there, but they don't go into that straight away. Obviously, that's something they keep later on, but it's kind of obvious that they must be the descendants of the um, the original colonists. So they get back to the ship, they do the bioscans, and yes, there's like over 50 of them down there, 52, I think, yeah, and 52. Reed, including Reed, who's still alive. So... Um, they figure out, yeah, these must be the descendants of the original colonists. Flocks, lot of flocks, and Archer go back down, take along with the medical, medical kit, because I assume they're going to help Reed. Hmm. And they essentially don't want to waste time, right? So Archer says, look, they give themselves up. Two locals jump out from the bush, hmm. take them down to see um, the elders, and we meet two of the leaders, I'd say, of the, yeah. of the, um, of the, um, the locals. One's called Jamin, who's played by the great Eric Avari. Um, geeks will know he's from Heroes, Stargate, X-Files, yeah. Mr. D's, Adam Sandler films. He's in everything. He's like a an unsung hero, a great character actor. Um, so he's called Jamin, and I think he's his mother is called Nadette, um, played by the late Mary Carver from TV veteran, um, I think Battlestar Galactica maybe, Twilight Zone, The Man from Uncle, yeah. classic sort of nerdy culture TV stuff. So they meet these two, Jamin and Nadette, and they reveal themselves to be called Novans. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool, pretty cool name. Yeah. And they're immediately hostile because they 
do not trust humans at all. In fact, they blame them do for... Do they even think they are humans? No, they, they don't. Definitely. They think they're... Alien. Oh, no, wait, Jamie said humans. Like, at first, he thought they were aliens, yeah. but then... He, you know, he asks, are you human? Because he could see what they look like, and Archer says yes. But it actually pisses him off because they don't trust humans. Because yeah. as far as they're concerned, they brought the poison rain, something called the poison rain, which yeah. has been, well, which has pretty much wiped out them living above ground mm. and um, has been killing them off for years. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they don't trust humans. Um, Archer tries to convince them, actually, your descendants from humans from original colony from earth and he just basically wants to help them but no Jamin is reluctant he believes that Archer is talking shale shale um, and he just wants you know Archer and the humans want to kill them and take their tunnels for some reason um, and he tells Archer to go back to your skyship and leave them alone Skype. Um so Phlox he actually diagnoses that Nadette the older woman who I think is Jamin's mother um, she has lung cancer so Archer offers to take her back and treat her on the skyship yeah. if he goes back. And Jamin eventually agrees, but he, under the condition that Reed stays. And if they're not back before the sun rises on the overside, mm-hmm. which is what they call above ground, they will gut him. Yeah. Um, I, I quite like the... Uh... This was a quite an interesting scene. I quite yeah. like the setup. I think we both agree that it kind of reminds us of the 100. Yeah, the 100 Skype. A lot. I was wondering if they <laughs> took something from this episode because it was very yeah. much like the 100 where there was a, a ground crew and a sky crew English. and they had yeah. this kind of yeah broken English now, yeah. a, a new dialect, an odd dialect of English, their own patois with certain words, shale, which meant lies. Yeah. Um, Overside, which is the above ground, yeah, underside, which is where they are. The caves. Skyship is for the the vessel, the ship, the pod. That yeah, and then it keeps saying, uh, "Track, I'll track with you. I'll, I'll track go, with you. I'll, I'll go with I'll you." Go with yeah. You. So that yeah. was really interesting. I do like that when um, it's this familiar sort of um, language and dialect, but it's a slightly different in a way that they've kind Slung, of yeah. grown their own words and vocabulary yeah. um, since they've been down there. Um, so that was. An interesting scene, and yeah, I'm wondering if the 100 took a lot of idea. I mean, this kind of story trope is common, like that Lord of the Flies kind of feel yeah. to it. But they was very close to 100, and even some the tempo dialogue and the way they look. Yeah, it'd be interesting, just you know, from a sociological perspective. Like, whenever we do stories where there's some sort of apocalyptic um, event that happens, yeah. and you know, lots of the world has been wiped Even out. things like Badlands. I'm yeah, thinking. we kind of go back to this, this primitive state yeah. um, with face paint and um, caves and um, and it'll go back to fire and hunting and gathering. It's very interesting. I was just wondering from a sociological perspective, would Why? that happen? You know, yeah. would that actually happen? Possibly, I guess, if there's an issue with electricity and there's no internet and yeah, infrastructures why, are broken. Why do they need to paint your it becomes, face? Yeah, it's very strange that People start painting their faces again. Um, the, uh, the, the tribes, the clothing, tattooing—it's interesting. Would that actually happen? Um, let us know if you're a sociologist out there, an anthropologist. That would be an interesting thing to to know because yeah, a lot of that happens. It seems to happen yeah. with these apocalyptic, shows, um, yeah. radioactive <laughs> nuclear disasters that humanity regresses into this uh, sort of tribal, yeah, primitive tribal. kind of state. So yeah, let us know if that. Is something that would happen? Is that a common thing that anthropologists and sociologists have said could happen? 
or is that an exaggeration of what would happen but an exaggeration of it in some way because I guess it's for an audience it's clearer to show a sign of some sort of digressing yeah a regression of time and of um, cultural expansion when it's something we recognise as primitive yeah yeah quite clearly primitive so we're not sure so yeah let us know that would be interesting to know so yeah we go back on the ship Flox treats Nadette and while he's synthesizing some medicine I think Archer he shows Jamin and Nadette he's trying to show them that you know he's got some archival pictures and he's trying to show them that basically they are descendants from humans and Terra Nova was this colony um, but they don't trust him Shale um, he's talking Shale and he's lying and he's just trying to deceive them basically um, but then there's a big plot reveal here because Topol essentially gets to the bottom of what happened because obviously there was some sort of radiation some nuclear event mm. had happened but it was um, unfortunately it was a crater it was just a horrible accident a, yeah. she found a huge crater crevice and impact and it was an asteroid that had hit the planet and it had caused a radioactive cloud yeah. which then caused a radioactive rain um, so that essentially was what was killing them um, but they didn't know that. Um, and what kind of extends that is um, Sato, um, Hoshi, and Mayweather discovered some data, some messages that were sent by the colonists to yeah. Earth, but they to, never got through. They never got through this uh, barrier. Due to the denseness of yeah. the radioact- radioactive um, rains and clouds in the hemisphere. But essentially they find some messages that the colonists think that Earth is trying to attack them because of this disagreement of letting these other people come and settle with them and that this crater and this rain has been uh, yeah, an attack from Earth basically but they that message didn't get out but obviously according to the descendants that's the last thing they heard from their peoples yeah. before they all died out So, and they were children that's right so or, you, or anything like the, the, the people like Nadette she was about four or five years old. That's right. So she would have heard it from her parents, That's and right. it would have, you know, whatever your parents tell you at that age, you believe. That's your truth. Exactly. Right? So, exactly, you mentioned. So, as kids, all they would have heard was that humans from Earth are against us. They're attacking us. Mm. They're trying to stop our way of life. And they've disappeared underground, and that's all they've heard since then because there was no relay message from Earth. Yeah. And then, like you said, Arsha does actually show Nadette a picture and it's of her when she's a child with her mother yeah and it does spark some sort of memory some recognition but Jamin quickly gets in there and he's shale shale they're trying to deceive us they want to take our colony they want to you know this is what humans do they've been trying to get us for 70 years they've been trying to get us you know two or three generations this is just a part of their plan yeah deception let's get out of here so yeah that was quite interesting Um, I guess you would feel that way because as far as you're concerned You've been underground, and what was beautiful and, and fruitful before has been destroyed, as far as you're concerned, by Earth, by humans. And you've been driven underground, forced to live a certain way, which you've adapted to wonderfully. And now, suddenly, they come back, and it's like, we're here to help you, so you wouldn't trust them, right? Yeah, exactly. But also, people like uh, Jamin, he's effectively first generation born there who um, didn't, ex- didn't have any memories whatsoever of getting to the planet like right. his mother has. So he has no reference 
whatsoever but what his mum told him who obviously lived this experience as a child and the, with the trauma that goes with it of having to run away from this poison rain radiations and stuff and having to being scared and all this negative emotion that goes with it and of course then she grew up and she had this child which was Jamin mm. so Jamin I feel he's very strong he feels much stronger than his mother you know any time that we that we the D's in on screen he really feels strong this is his cause to be to be to stay away from human because um he doesn't know any different right you know yeah. he has zero memories of or zero proof of anything else yeah and of course like we were saying the what's interesting it has this um um i guess this narrative of um evolution in a sense of you know as early man ourselves when we were learning about our environment and what was safe and what was dangerous yeah. and what we could eat yeah. what was an enemy and what was friendly all these things they create these highly impressionable neuro pathways in our minds yeah. right once we have these experiences or we see people sick or dying from eating from here or drinking from there they tell us and warn us yeah and they're highly strong because obviously we have a natural affinity to live <laughs> we want to live yeah. right so anything that's going to detract from that we stay away from so like you said for all these generations these decades as far as they're concerned the reason for their strife i guess or the reason for what upset what was their paradise or killed their parents were humans from yeah. earth so the the fact that they were trying to <clears throat> convince them so simply like you know you need to come with us is not going to be so easy because, we're not going to hurt you right because all they've are, known from humans yeah, is very hurt diffident, yeah. right and they've not heard from them for all this time so yeah. suddenly when they come back they're not going to trust them and things do get worse because Flox discovers that yes he could treat um, Nadette's cancer but things are a lot worse because radiation has actually contaminated their water and as well as the flora yeah. overside so they're so actually suffering really no yeah they're suffering from a microcellular decay I think he says yeah uh, which he cannot treat so if they do stay on Terranova they are all going to die eventually yeah um and then, yes, so Archer tries to explain this to, to Jamin, and every time I say Jamin, I want to sing Bob Marley. <laughs> every, the jam, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So every time Bob Marley, I mean Jamin yeah. <laughs> and Nadette, yeah. um, he tries to explain to them, and they're not having it yet. They just want to go back to their planet, and everyone go on their merry way, um, even though he tries to explain that it's not safe from them. And also he reminds them that Reed is down there, by the way. So if you don't get us there, we need we're going to yeah. gut him, basically. Gut him. <laughs> um, and I think this leads to, for me, what is the best scene in the episode? And I think it saves it from being a complete sort of meh. Average. Yeah, I think it really does. because So, eventually, so Dr. Flox explains that this planet is not good, or at least where they are in regards to that part of the planet where the rains fell, the poison rains fell, is no good. Everything's contaminated and dangerous and will kill them. Everything's poisoned. So they're looking for solutions. <laughs> and T'Pol's solution is that... So basically they have to get them away from the planet. T'Pol's solution is that they use stun grenades mm. and sort of place them around specific sort of hem hemispheres the around their sort of 
caves, yeah. blow them up, force the Novans to the surface, and then take them in in, in the pod up to the ship, which is, quite <laughs> which is quite forceful. And Archer kind of lets it know that we, you know what is this a slave ship? We can't yeah. do that. We can't force them and put them in chains. What we need to do is convince, convince them, them to come yeah. back to Earth. And what was interesting here was that, and that seems reasonable, right? But to Paul pushes back on that, and she says that you know you want them just to forget their culture um, that they developed over three generations, yeah. Despite, in spite of what they feel and of humanity, you know, humans coming to them, um, you want to force them to sort of reintegrate back on Earth, eat human food, you know, walk around in the sunshine, yeah. wear clothes, learn to read and write, words, learn to read and write. And Art is like, yes, you know, that's their right uh, as birthright humans. as humans. Yeah. And I thought that was quite a fascinating scene between the two of them because it kind of both had valid arguments. Both had valid arguments, but it kind of harkens back to first contact and the prime directive, you know, which prohibits Federation members of interfering with the internal natural development of alien civilizations. But they're not really aliens. But technically, are they aliens? Are they not? No, they're not. They're humans, but in a way, they're aliens in certain aspects as well. Yeah. So I thought this was really fascinating because it is a bit of dilemma. Would mm. they be breaking the rules of First Contact and Prime Directive mm. by forcing them from their planet to go to Earth? I don't know. Do they? Should they be integrated back? Should they be forced to live like a human, inverted commas? Is that the right thing to do? Are, have they not got their own culture? I think... Their own ideals, their own language, their own way of eating, their own methods of talking and hunting. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So is that not... Yes, they are humans, biologically, but are they... As a civilization, they are different. Yes, yeah. So I thought that was a really good scene, and I thought I couldn't decide who was right there. What would you have done? Would you have taken them back? Because Tapal said we need to... She wants to take them to the ship and relocate them somewhere, not on Earth, I believe. Whereas Archer wants to convince them that, yes, the planet is not good for them, but let's go back to Earth where you belong and you can reintegrate yourself to earthly human ways that were deprived of you due to this freak asteroid and not by who you think is the enemy, which are actually your descendants. Who do you think is right there? Well, they both have valid uh, arguments, but I think if uh, the story didn't go the way it did... Um, Archer would have probably just walked out and left them there because eventually because he, I think he would have come to the realisation that because you see a couple of scenes where um, like especially when he was telling and we starting to convince the um, an adette and her son that you know she was the girl in the picture and everything and they were not having it or rather the, the son wasn't, wasn't having it uh, he he um, he didn't really like he tried a couple of times Archer but then he was like okay fine unless you know let's keep going that's right. what they want so I, I got the feel that the feeling that he would have done that eventually he would have tried you know a few more times but if then they would say no we want to stay here and this is what we want to do that's it um, he would have just let them stay there and die Mm, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, in the episode they don't mention 
first contact, so just directly or yeah. the prime directive. So, because um, it's not like they are sort of animals where they have you know don't have a say or anything. They are sentient beings. So they even if the the decision that they make is wrong, because you know the consequences. Um, you can only inform people, right? I think so. I think you're right. Maybe eventually, if they had disagree, you know, if they'd come to some sort of impasse where neither had decided that this was the protocol that they were going to go with, this was the direction they were going to take. I think you're right. I think Archer would have been the captain, and eventually, having executive decision, he would have said, "We tried, yeah. but we have to leave them where they are." Yeah, yeah there's not much more. I we would can have do. done that anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know me. You're harsh. <laughs> um, no, I don't care. I'm just, You're I'm tell- I'm not one to run around and, and and force people to do what they don't want. Yeah, I guess that's. I mean, that's the whole point of that. The federation, as well, in part their credo, right? It's like yeah. you do what you can, but ultimately the decision is down. If to you if you present the, the, the proofs and you tell and you show them, and they know because they can see it that you know people are being sick, even now uh, when when. Um, What's the other guy that's being hurt? Reed. Reed. Well, even him, when he was talking to the other, to the young guy that was uh, guarding him, the young guy says something like, "Oh, we're," uh, he says something like, "They're basically getting sick there." Uh, he uses a term, I forgot. Um, oh yes, yes, yes. I can't know? remember the term, but yeah, they had that little. He has a little chat with one of the Novans, yeah, right? a young, young Novans. The guy that was guarding him, yeah, and and the, and the guy says something like that. Basically, reveals that they are getting sick. Yeah, was it know? digger filth? Is there something like uses- digger filth or something? Or maybe he calls them um, read digger filth. I'm not sure, but digger is, I think, there's this kind of a turtle armadillo creature that yeah, lives it's underground, like a pangolin, yeah. which they use for the meat and for the scales to make the armor. Yeah. And Reed does try some of that food. Raw. <laughs> yeah. Raw that was quite, quite a funny scene. Um, but eventually, so anyway, eventually, T'Pol and Archer, they split the difference, basically, and yeah. kind of merge two plans. So what they do is, ultimately, they're going to relocate the Novans, but they're not going to bring them out to Earth. They're actually going to move them to the southern hemisphere of the planet system. Yeah, there's some islands. Where, yeah, where there was no rains had yeah. fallen and they, they'll yeah, be fine. Because the, the, no effect. because the asteroid that hit only a part of the planet. Hit only a certain part yeah. of the planet, yeah. So it was kind of localised, the issue. I guess they would have known because by then, they, I guess, whatever technology they had when the ship left, they would have known probably of what had happened on the other parts of the, the planet. Yeah. So, okay, so so that's the plan. They're going to relocate them to the southern hem- hemisphere. Um, on the shuttle pod ride back, Archer asks Jamin and Nadette to consider this proposal, and I th- guess they're sort of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Nadette seems to be slowly coming around to what is happening. I think that picture of her with her mother really sort of hit. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that seemed to... Com- revived pretty some much memories. Com- convince yeah. her almost there it was just jamming I think who wasn't quite there yet so they land back on the planet to go and get Reed and as soon as they land they immediately I think they land on a sinkhole and they drop like you know eight meters down go crashing down back into the network of caves to the Novan sort of caves um, but they pretty much escape unhurt and Jamin sets out to guide them back towards 
the main sort of base, the main base where the rest of the people are, and Reed is. And on their way back, they hear the cries of a fellow Novan who seems to be trapped under a tree root, yeah. in a down in a um, in a sort of a crevice no. or yeah, some sort of some, yeah, some kind yeah. of crevices. Some sort of crevice. He's trapped down there, and essentially, this is just a setup so that Jamin and Archer have to work together and yeah, find and some sort of trust. Yeah, because they can only help this guy if they work and trust each other. So eventually, they do. They um, both go down there. Archer almost falls when he's climbing down the cliff, and um, Jamin helps him. Then they get down, and to get the tree off this Novan, they need to use the pistol, um, the phaser, which Jamin had taken away from. Archer, and so he gives it back to him. They cut the root into, lift it off him, and they save the Noven. So there was a nice little scene to kind of show a bit of trust, yeah. teamwork, humanity, and bridge um, building. Bridge building, yeah. A knowledge branch, or literally almost a knowledge branch, a knowledge trunk of a tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they kind of um, settled their differences, I guess, and their points of view, and they sort of came together and. We don't get a scene, which I thought was the only thing that was missing from this. Is so basically after that, they they're back on the Enterprise. They're having a chat again, and through their conversation, I think Mayweather um, and Archer, they talk about how they rescued the Novans. They relocate them on the planet. No, but wait before you get there. You after these three episodes, they go back and pick up Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they yeah. pick up Reed. Because eventually, what I'm trying to say is that they pick up Reed, they go back, but we don't get a scene of them being relocated. Oh, uh, yeah, no, yeah, we don't. They go but we back do to have the... a scene that they are accepting. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Which is what we just talked about in terms of the trust and stuff and bond. So that pretty much covered yeah. that scene. The, the tree scene is basically the bonding scene. So you know they come yeah, together. Yeah, but when they reach Reed, Jamin is still, I'm not having this. You guys live now. Yes. You know what I mean? But yeah. instead, his mom, she's like, no, we are not well. We need to. I remember. Oh, yeah, my being, mom. And, you know, yeah, my mom humans. and everything. She, I think that that was basically also a, like a pivotal moment because as far as uh, her son was in, um, concerned, that's it. They, mm. Yeah, they, they kind of had a little bit of trust built, but now you're ready to leave and we're gonna stay here and we're not gonna change our ways until his mother instead she put her foot down and she said no we need to do what they say we need to move we're not well yeah. and uh, and that's when then they get relocated which we, d we don't see the yeah, relocation see. but it was a shame we didn't get that scene yeah but, um, but yeah they relocate them and I think Archer says to Mayweather who was the most sort of um, enthusiastic about this yeah. story, he gets to do the report. Yeah, he's probably happy. <laughs> he was really happy about that because his report, he's essentially solved the mystery and saved the lives of yeah. Terra Nova, which has been a 70 plus year mystery on yeah. Earth. So Mayweather gets the honors of being of putting his name on the report. And yeah, that was the end of the episode. Mm. So it wasn't bad. Um, like we were saying, it didn't have the same vibe as. Unexpected episode five. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it's not. I guess it's not fair to com compare it on that level. But again, compared it, to the previous one, take out because so far episode five is, is the outline, is the, the outlier, right? Yeah. So um, it's okay. Yeah, I mean it's okay. It's. I, it's compared to the other ones to the previous four. Um, I would. 
well, we're going to get to our rating soon. So I, 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 yeah. I'm thinking of, I will rate it in a similar area as the ones we've seen before, mm. other than episode five. It was yeah. okay. We still haven't. Everything so far has kind of been mission of the week. There's no thread at the moment of an overall arching storyline. Yeah. Or at least that's kind of. Um, or no more information about who's the future guy, the mysterious guy yeah. that we saw with the Superman. Yeah, we haven't got any more Nothing information about that. Nothing further from that. So yeah. if that's going to be the overarching story, we'll see. But yeah, there's been no other threads or plots that has kind of harkened back to that or set up something else that could be a possible overarching story that we mm-hmm. have along with the mission of the week. Yeah. So for me, yeah, it was a pretty much a mission of the week episode. It was okay. It was okay. Um, reminded me of the 100. Yeah. Yeah. So if 100 took something from that, and that's I guess it's good. It's a good thing. It's some sort of legacy and from from the episode. So yeah, it was okay. Um, interestingly, it was directed by Lavar Burton, who plays mm-hmm. Geordie, of course, mm-hmm. um, in Star Trek. So that was interesting, and written by An- Antoinette Stella, who's written a few other episodes as well. Um, episode MVP, I think, was um, Eric Avari who plays Jamming. Jamming because it's Eric Avari, and why not? Um, and the best line of the show, I thought, was mentioned by Nadette, played by Mary Carver, hmm. who, um, when she was initially um, distrusting of the Federation, and Archer was trying to convince them to to come with them, she says, "You, hum- you humans, tried to gut our go-befores." when they lived on the oversight. Now you're trying to gut us. I like that. I like we get pieces of their dialogue and yeah. their dialect and the way that they speak and their, the words that they have for ancestors, go before us and yeah. above ground for oversight. I thought that was... Gut. Yes. Yeah, and the kill. way the word gut, gut us. Yeah. So that very primitive, very tribal sort of um, language. So that was, that was cool. Um, yeah, so let's... I guess we can just rate rate the episode now yeah. um, so on Riser and Shine we have a five system rating and categories here we have one to five pips so one pip is ensign two pips lieutenant three pips commander four pips captain and five pips admiral so what would you give episode six Terra Nova um I would I'm gonna give it a three commander three pips yeah I okay. think it was Again, like I said, it's, it's uh, um, not as good as uh, number five, but uh, episode five. But I think it's a little bit better than episode one to one to three. Uh, two, well, sorry, one to four. Um, yes. In, in terms of at Bro. least, at least there is something going on. Like the previous one, I kind of felt were like that bit boring. Probably a little bit better yeah than the other episodes it's really it's really if in truth uh, it should be like a 2.8 but we're not doing points we're not going to get into that so um, it's a 3 I give it a 3 okay I was going to give it 2 pips a lieutenant but Eric Avari always like seeing him on screen Yeah. so I'm going to give it 3 pips a commander as well I think that's a fair enough score yeah it was okay um but yeah, Eric Avari makes everything better. So, three pips from me, three pips from you. Yeah. Cool. Okay, Commander. Let's have a pims. <laughs>
And that's our podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you like what you've heard, you can find all of our previous episodes over at anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Google, all places you go to get your usual podcast goodness. You'll find us there. And if you'd like to drop us a message, leave a comment or say hello, you can find us at Rise and Shine on Facebook, or you can send us an email to riseandshinepodcast at gmail.com. Join us here right oh, join us right here next week, I should say, where we'll be discussing Series 1, Episode 7 of Star Trek Enterprise, The Andorian Incidents. Looking forward to that. Yeah, it feels like Yeah, the name suggests action, intrigue yeah. straight away. So looking forward to that one. Uh, this is Riser and Shine. We're Jason and Michaela. We still have a long way to go before we get to the Riser system. So Helm, let's see what the ship can do. Warp 5? Let's go. Punch it. <laughs>